Repeat after me to attain your goals. Happiness, a college education, a good job, a healthy family, respect for your neighbors, retirement, happiness. Repeat after me to attain your goals. Happiness. Ignorance. A college education. Mental programming. A good job. Slavery. A healthy family. Corporate control. Respect for your neighbors. Governmental abuses. Retirement. Obey. Happiness. You are now listening to the world famous Sofa King Podcast. Please read from sheets. I am. I am. Sofa King. Sofa King. Now repeat all very fast, please. I am Sofa King. Faster. I am Sofa King. No, not so fast. Loses meaning. I am Sofa King. You say funny things. Well, once again, it's a hundred and Satan's balls outside. <laughs> We're here. Yep. Dying in the basement. I just realized I might end up being like held accountable for drinking this whole bottle because it just sits here and I drink it every time. That's okay. It's slowly going down. So, but I don't want you guys to be able to judge me. So what we expect bottles. alcoholics to do is drink you all the alcohol. Bottles. You'll get all OCD about it and switch it out at some point. It's happening right now. I'm talking about it. So <laughs> It's already yeah. done. I have some worry Finished. about Yeah. Dunsky. It's good yep. though. Curtis Curtis Fields. That is good. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Tired. My it's brain hot. is tired. Yeah, it's just hot. It's hot. It fucking sucks. Did you get all moved? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Yep. That's part of his problem. His new place is hotter than his old place. Yeah. There's two stories. He uh, rises. Yeah. It's always a bitch about those. Sucks. Hard to cool a mansion. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> First world problems. Yeah. Yeah. So you got some El, El Yucateco hot sack winners? I do. Well, you got to ask me like that. Um, Kevin Peters <laughs> won the hot sack. I try, I'm trying. If Kevin trying. Peters uh, messages me and wants to come by, I will give him some hot sauce. I'm trying. He's local, but he's he probably not even listening. Through. Probably not. Losing it. Yeah, I don't know why you're picking him. You have a, like a just ginger because. Fish. Um, Maybe the actual winner. We've uh, instead of posting this last couple of times, I'll say it's to reward people for posting on their own That's rather right. than having to be asked. And it has nothing to do with us being extremely busy, Dave leaving town and recording four episodes in a short amount of time and me forgetting to post. Kayla Bell Thurman, you win for posting all by yourself from a Mexican restaurant. She said uh, she talked to her family in the Mexican food after church and they picked the good place because there was El Yucateco sitting on the table. So Kayla Bell Thurman is the this week's hot sack winner. So from Australia. Yeah, hit me up. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We have no yeah, idea. I have no idea. It could be from anywhere. Twenty six dollars in shipping, but yep. I'll do it. Um so thank you for posting that and Elio Kateko thanks you as well. So on that note we have gro- grobbled grobbled. Yep. And if you haven't already, go to patreon.com black slash King podcast and uh swear your love to us on there and uh help support the show. We appreciate it. Um join the uh People who are not fuckface peasants. That's right. Uh, become a loyal And really, subject. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot. You know what I really like? You know what I like the most about the patron thing? No, what? The money. 
(laughs) (laughs) So that's I've I've really been thinking about it, and that's what I I really like that. If you're if you're female and you're doing Patreon, um, it's a competition amongst other females, and currently um, Yanuri Dietrich is the queen. So if you want to compete, you have to give more money. If you're a male, uh, the dollars represent inches of your penis, and if you're only doing a dollar, that's we know what's up. So (laughs) just saying. So that's how how we we released. Yeah, we haven't released that information yet. (laughs) I mean, even a five dollar pledge is kind of respectable, but if you want to go up to ten, you're just average. Like ten, you're yeah. You're dropping it. Yeah. yeah. That's good for Patreon and wiener length. Yeah. It's an equal measurement. Yeah. Yeah. And it says that when you sign up for Patreon, it tells you that right away. There's oh, that might scare know. some people off because then someone who might have been thinking, I'm going to give 40 bucks, might be like, ooh, that's kind of freakish. The ladies that's might be okay. scared. You fold it over <laughs> and then it's only 20. <laughs> Twice as yeah, you do Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you only got to get half hard. Yeah, you do a quad it's like fold. A, it's like a Pringles can. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> this looks like you're smuggling a blanket in your pants. You fold it up. Looks like an Afghan. I'm yeah. with you. I hate going through airports. It's yeah. it's drama every time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking All X-ray machine accusations. Yeah, and grabbing. Yeah, especially when it gets hard as a rock. They think it's metal. Right. Some sort of metal pole. Right. Yeah. In fact, it even sets off the metal detector. Yes, it does. Because of all the iron. Yeah. <laughs> the blood iron yeah. in my penis alone. Yeah. I eat so much tuna, I have mercury like <laughs> just flowing through my veins. I don't know if either one of Yeah, iron sets it off. Would mercury yeah. set it Mercury's, off? Mercury, yeah. It's a heavy metal. I don't know if mercury does, we'll actually. Just uh, get a good handful of it and walk through. Well, that yeah. sounds like a good idea. Just put it under your tongue, like a big drop of it. Yeah. Kids used to play with fucking mercury. That yeah, was a no. thing. I That's was, scary. Obviously, it looks like Terminator liquid yes. or something. It's Terminator semen. I have a jar of mercury. Do you? Mm-hmm. That's not safe. Why do you have that? Uh, I can't say. <laughs> <That's> fucking <laughs> weird. <laughs> I broke a hundred thermometers from Walmart. <laughs> no, because you, you can't get them anymore. You can't get a mercury thermometer. Oh, really? No, you, you they don't make high them. and low. They don't. You, what are they doing there now? Electronic. You buy electronic ones. Yeah. No, they still sell old. No, nope. I've looked ever. I've looked high and low. Oh, really? For glass thermometers. Oh, glass thermometers. You were putting mercury in your mouth. Yep. Damn, I never thought about that. <laughs> That's you take a, correct. Take sir. a crunch down. Yep. Yeah. Wonder, would, that wouldn't kill you though. A thermometer. Nah. I wonder if they're still doing the fillings or whatever. Yeah. Like your dental I eat, fillings are like supposed I said, to be amalgam. Albacore, and that has the highest mercury content available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also Fukushima albacore now. That's great. Right. Yeah. But can, it actually tastes better. Cantoon is better on the uh, heavy metals side than sushi tuna because they catch small tuna for canned. And if you get sushi tuna, it's a it's big, big tuna. Old big tuna. Big old tuna has been yeah. soaking up mercury like a sponge. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The albacore, though, has the higher content than regular tuna. The bigger so the fish, they... the higher the pollutant, too. Did you know that? Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah, because hmm. they eat the... <laughs> bigger the fish. <laughs> higher the pluton. Higher the pluton. That's what they say. Sweeter yeah. the juice. Yep. Learn a lot here on the Sofa King podcast. <laughs> yes, it's your first episode. And one thing we're going to learn in a moment is about this whiskey. What what whiskey? What whiskey is it? Teeling? T-E-E-L-I-N-G whiskey. Irish whiskey, it says. And it's from uh, Kerry Wabi. Wobby? I would say I would say Wobby. Carrie yeah. Wobby. And she uh Carrie wrote Weeble us, wobble, but she don't really, fall down. She sent us like this really impressive it's really it's like this custom stationery. I call it mm-hmm. a parchment. Yeah. yeah, it's like a stationery. It's actually a beer bag, Dave. Well the, the thing is it looks like a brown paper beer bag, but mm-hmm. I think the thing is it's like 
it's like retro. It's oh, like okay. a, it's like a Taking hipster. Like she went to a very expensive stationery thing, and they make stationery to look like it's a brown paper. Like uh, you're a bum. Like, yeah. Like I want stationery to look but, like I'm a bum. Right. And that's what they give you. Yeah. And that's huh. but it costs a lot. Interesting. And it says uh, knocking another one out of the park! Exclamation point in honor of Bob Marley! Exclamation point. Carrie uh, Wobby, Marley Wobby, and even the dog Ziggy Wobby. Said Wobby. I did. It might and, be Wobby for all I know. I always yeah, say Wobby, you know. but I don't know if I physically said that out loud in front of her. You know? I don't know. Wobby Wobby, but they don't fall down. But <laughs> so here, Wobby Wobby, but they don't fall down. <laughs> so oh, yeah. here's a here's to Carrie and the the Marleys. And the Marleys. <laughs> the whole family of Bob Marleys? Or are you talking mm-hmm. about her daughter alone? They all have frozen. It's good. It spicy. is good. It's like, it's woody. Yeah. It's like a casky, woody flavor. Not much smoke. A little bit of spice at the very end. There's no sweetness to it, but it's a very good, very, smooth. It's drier than normal, I would mm-hmm. say. And what's it called? I can't see the front of the bottle. Teeling. Teeling whiskey. Small batch Irish whiskey. She's, Very good. She's Teeling. doing good right now. Two of her bottles are on the desk. There's four bottles sitting on the desk. One out of laziness, and the other two are represented by... <laughs> I just watched... Do you guys watch John Wick 2? Speaking um, of the Blanks. I couldn't get through it, dude. It's pretty good. I have mm-hmm. it, but I haven't watched it. It's the same. I mean, it's just him beating up people. Yeah. But you have to think about the first one was he killed everybody over a dog. Like right. So yeah. the second one was going to be... Spoiler alert. Yeah, don't... What? Save I'm just saying don't spoil it. He hasn't seen it yet. I no, you haven't seen it? it. Oh, okay. I bought it, but I haven't watched. It. I like John Wick one, but even, like realistically, like the fight scenes are ridiculous. Like, well, you don't like excessive anything amount that's not of time real. to finish doing shit, and then the next guy shows up with a machine gun, like appropriately, like a little late, so he can finish doing some extra fucking. That's how move. action movies are. I know they're all you like, like that. any action. Movies? No, if the this is the thing with Brent, it was very and, Jason Statham. Like fuck, I couldn't watch exactly. Those, I couldn't watch those ones either. So uh, with Brent, if I'm watching a movie and like they're doing like a car barrel roll, and then he shoots out of the sunroof, you know, yeah, and, and kills that. the guy as the car's barrel rolling over another guy and lands, you know, like right. it's the most unreal thing ever. It's action packed, but I, I always say, oh, Brent would hate this movie. Like, <laughs> it, you know it's just funny? a running joke in my house. Contrary that, to that, though, I fucking love Kung Fu movies, though. I love Kung Fu. That's movies. real, though. And they're like stepping through the air, like across a fucking rooftop. Yeah, that's right. real. And they're surrounded by ninjas that love are, yeah. it. Fucking love that shit. Yeah, yeah, they're like standing on a spear. They jump up on the table. I think of the it's, spear the, and shit. it's yeah. the equivalent, like an artificial intelligence and robotics. They call it the Uncanny Valley. Mm-hmm. And like. If you have something that is not realistic at all, ah, I'm accepting like it because I know right, it shouldn't be realistic. Right. If you see like a really shitty looking robot, we're totally fine with it. But if you see a robot that's like 85% human facial features, so it looks so creepy and yeah. fake and weird. It so if it's like totally gonzo over, if it's like a legless little C3PO rolling around, you're totally in love with it. But if you try to get close, but it looks shitty, it's what they call the uncanny valley. You know what so else can, is totally gonzo? What's that? You set that segue up. It's hard. Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson. That is our topic today. That was. I just said, like, speaking of old men, yeah, they shot themselves. Spoiler. It's my segue. I'm getting good at this. That was a. That was a. I didn't. I didn't know he was. A. I didn't know he was dead. And B. I didn't know he killed. Honestly, I didn't either. I I didn't know that. I knew he was dead, but I I didn't. I didn't. I I knew a little bit about him. I mean, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas Uh is one of my you know favorite movies. Top ten. It's up there. I just didn't know he he lived as long as he did. I didn't know he was still so current. He didn't right. die that long. Ago. Yeah, two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. So or Hunter six. S- I've read a, or seven and a couple different things. Or, so, or, or he's on Tupac Island. Yeah, yeah. Of course he is. 
Um, so Hunter S. Thompson, um, for those of you who don't know very much about him or if you've never heard of him before, um, he's what they call the the original and maybe only the uh, gonzo journalist. And he uh, ended up doing really crazy journalism. And I take that back. He ended up doing journalism, but he was really crazy. Right. I think that's a more accurate yes. way to, I think that's, yeah. <laughs> to put and it. The style of and the- he wasn't really, he wasn't crazy. I think he was just so creative that it turned him crazy. Dude. Right. Again, people and he was just high as fuck. Yeah. A Dude. lot. I watched uh, the interview on Conan O'Brien. If you got to look that up, that alone is awesome. Like you can barely understand what the fuck he's saying half the time. Yeah. His mannerism and demeanor is so fucking strange, and Conan handles it so well. They go shoot fucking automatic rifles together and shit. Oh fuck! They're I like have to out watch in the dirt this. drinking whiskey, shooting rifles. It's it's amazing. Was it like old NBC days of Conan? It's not that, no, it's like right no? towards the end there. I don't huh. know what year it was, but it was pretty current. I, I have to say too, though, that I, I knew who he was. I never really heard him talk though, but I've watched Fear and Loathing, and right. I have to say that Johnny Depp did a spot-on job with his like well, vocabulary and the way Johnny he Depp lived with him. His voice—they they talk about that in the Conan interview. It sounds and it's the same, fucking great. But Johnny Depp's voice, dude, sounds like Hunter yeah. Thompson's voice. It's impressive. And Bi- apparently, Bill Murray played him in a much earlier film. Yeah, where the Buffalo, Buffalo Room. Yeah. yeah, and Bill Murray's advice to Johnny Depp was. Make sure that your immediate role after this is as different from Hunter S. Thompson as possible, or you'll be stuck playing Hunter S. Thompson for the rest of your career. Yeah, you'll be doing Borat impressions. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, Bill Murray's like he, he. You could tell his tone. He he kind of had that same mm-hmm. style of speak, but it just wasn't there. It was yeah. still Bill Murray. Right. Like he right. he didn't he didn't go full retard. Like he, <laughs> he Johnny he, Depp. Yeah. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp turned into. But like I said, Hunter I mean, to the fact that he didn't know Hunter S. Thompson before the movie, but he lived with the man for months in order to study him to get the mannerisms, to get the speech patterns, to get everything. And then I read one story that um, people aren't 100% able to verify, but they don't think it's fake, that they apparently he lived in Hunter S. Thompson's basement. Right. Um, he said it was a guest room, but it, it was a basement. Yeah, it was yeah. a basement. And the furniture was just kind of made up of shit that was already in the basement. And according to the story, Johnny Depp was going to uh, put out his cigarette on a table, and Hunter S. Thompson freaked out because the table was actually a crate that was filled with dynamite. They talk about it on Conan. And- he said, he said there was a black yeah. barrel, a black powder barrel, like a keg yeah. of black powder. And Conan's like, why do you have that in your basement? <laughs> and he was like, to build bombs. Yeah. Which is crazy because I don't know. How, I mean, right now you'd be on a fucking the terrorist fuck, yeah, list. Yeah, you would. If you're making like black powder. Even if you live in Arkansas or some shit no, where you can have a 50 they do that shit all cannon. the time. Well, they no, if it's known, like he's pretty publicly known. Yeah. And to say that I have a fucking barrel. You can blow up shit bombs, on your own property, though. Maybe, man. They're fucking crazy about terrorist shit now. No, I mean, you're definitely going to be He was watched. doing it all the way up yeah. to, when he, uh, right. to right before right. he died. You know? No, right. dude, when I used to do electrical work, and one of the workers, I've probably talked about this before, he would fucking make these little black powder bombs, and they had rocket engine igniters in them, mm-hmm. and then he would run out. We, we would wire houses, like residential homes, and there's what's called bell wire. It's like the small gauge wire that yeah. you use for telephone and for like alarms and smoke yeah. detectors and shit, and it's like signal wire. So he would run that shit out off a real 50 foot out into a fucking like scrap pile of little two by fours and pieces of drywall and shit and then you'd be like what are you doing and he's all check it out get behind this thing with me and he fucking oh, would just take fuck. a drill battery <laughs> and then take the two wires and fucking touch it and blow up fucking like yeah. piles of debris out there 
or I like to call it Debris. Debris. Yeah. yeah. I like so the way that's spelled. The proper British way. Yeah. Debris. Yeah. Yep. Vitamins, Debris. Yep. Yeah. Aluminium, wolves. Women's. Wolves is very British. And women's. Women's. Yep. So Hunter S. Thompson, born uh, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, uh, 1937. His fa- like middle class family. His father was a World War One veteran. He was an insurance agent, and he died when uh, Hunter was in his teens. Right. I forget the exact age. He was in high school. He was a teenager. Fourteen years old. Fourteen. His mom, Virginia, was a public librarian, but she didn't make shit for money. And when the dad died, they were very poor. And apparently, she got really depressed and fell into alcoholism. And during this time. When he's, I mean, he's a teenager, his dad just died, his mom's become an alcoholic, and he starts to run with uh, a crowd of hoodlums, His basically. dad died of a crazy disease, too. It was fucking horrible. I, I saw the disease, but I didn't look up I what it was. I looked it up. It's, um, uh, it's a nerve disease. That Masthenia prevents, gravis? Yeah, mm-hmm. it prevents your nerve impulses from triggering muscle contractions, so you start not being able to swallow. And it comes on fucking quick. And so, like, your skeletal muscle becomes weak. You can't swallow. And then pretty soon you can't fucking breathe. So, like, it's not your brain's there. But all of a sudden you can't control your eyes. You can't blink. Like, that kind of shit. Like, your eyes start drying out because you can't close your eyes. It's... It's like MS. All, kind of, all like, of the all of the things that you do just naturally. Involuntary. Yeah, it's involuntary. Where MS yeah. is more like I could move my arms or right, whatever. This right. is even things that are involuntary where, like, Fuck. just breathing and swallowing starts to happen. That's rough. So um, in high school, he starts to hang out with hoodlums um, and he starts to write and he ends up getting into a thing called the Athenaeum Literary Association, which is like this. It was a really exclusive thing. It was mostly reserved for like really wealthy people, like wealthy kids uh, from high schools and colleges would be part of this literary organization. They had their own magazine, et cetera. But they saw that this kid was so good at writing that they invited him to sort of join their ranks. And he's kind of like outgoing and a leader from a young age. Even before high school, he was very athletically inclined. Mm -hmm. He never played sports in high school, though, because he starts writing. He even like founded and started like an athletic club in school. Cool. Right. So it's he was a leader from the beginning. Like he was out. He was someone that was stood out from the rest of the right. people. Very charismatic yeah. and everything. Right from right from the start. Um, and from what I read, like what he did with the newsletter was usually sarcastic and like talked shit about things. And um, they weren't crazy about the things he decided to right. write about and the tone that he took on on the writing about it but the whole time throughout this he's like basically becoming a hooligan um he starts doing everything he, apparently at some point he dumped a truckload of pumpkins in front of a hotel Man, remind me <laughs> later, unless you guys want to hear early, at some point, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, oh, we'll get into Jack yeah, Nicholson. That, was that good. shit was, yeah. Insane. And did you hear the follow-up to his the niece? The Christmas present? Yeah. It was Jack Nicholson's daughter. Daughter, you're yeah. right. Yeah, oh. crazy. Um, but, so spoiler, we got some Jack Nicholson hijinks yeah. coming up later, which are pretty good. But um, he does shoplifting, which I couldn't, I was aghast. Yeah, you can't like. Fuck. There wasn't even Walmart back then. He wasn't even running from the man. I've never stolen from Walmart. It was probably locally owned. 
<laughs> I thought you said you did. That's no, what I've never gone to. I don't go to Walmart. You I've endorsed never... stealing from Walmart at one yeah. point, though. You sure, it absolutely. I still do. Yeah. You still <laughs> <laughs> To this day, any of you listening, I encourage you to go into Walmart and that steal is shit. The strangest. Yeah. Thing. But we're not I taking do. the blame. Stealing is wrong. I don't. But Dave, Dave endorses stealing from Walmart. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting sued by Walmart. And there was you, one. You guys are worried the, about the Coleman family. I forget the name. He was. He's a writer for Conan O'Brien. Uh, he's the only black writer for Conan O'Brien. Oh, that guy's funny. He comes on to skits. Uh, yeah. Cole. Di- I can't think of Damian his name. Damien Cole? Something Cole. But on a stand-up routine, he was talking, and he said that he figured out the ultimate way to steal from Target. And he said it was to just get to go buy a red polo shirt and some khakis. <laughs> just take what you want. And just walk in yeah. and just fill up a cart full of shit and walk right out. And no one's going to bat an eye or try to Probably stop not. you. Probably not, yeah. And apparently after his stand-up special <laughs> came out, <laughs> like there was this massive surge in thefts at Target from using wow. his exact technique. So it worked. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> so weird how you make, I can't figure out though to make your decisions. Like you won't let us play fucking episodes where we played fucking Cards Against Humanity because of the things that were said. And it's like literally like a swimming pool full of uh, semen or fucking a grandma and shit. I don't know. There was some racist stuff in there. You say? I don't know yeah. what we said. Yeah. But you will endorse publicly against all odds to it affecting your personal career to steal shit from Walmart Fuck and Walmart. then you support Fuck Walmart. I like it. I like it, sir. It's, I just can't figure out your stance. Well, so Target's yeah. not any better. Tar- the French own Target. No, don't steal from Target. That's fucked up. <laughs> He's, I'm a vegan, but I hate sheep. Fuck those sheep. Eat them all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't care if you, like, to be or honest, I don't care all. if you steal from any major corporation. But if I if I heard you stole from Target or Albertsons or a You'd grocery chain, impressed. I would just be like, eh, what? I wouldn't care at yeah. all. Like, I don't give a shit that you stole something good for you. I don't fucking care. But if someone said, dude, you like this sweatshirt? I boosted it from Walmart. I'd be like, right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I send it to you until the cops where it's at. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey over there. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Right on. Right on. So anyway, Hunter it's S. Thompson, right. the little hooligan, was a shoplifter and a vandal. And then eventually he sort of upgraded to robbery. Um, and I didn't read a lot. I read like multiple robberies. He robbed like three kids in a park for $8. But I read like one thing that he robbed a gas station. Yeah. And like the he in order to not get caught, he immediately climbed on top of the gas station and had to stay there for a couple of days. Damn. I didn't <laughs> like see in, that. in one case. And then in another one, he was, he, he was, was like, accessory. A, he was accessory. I think that's what he got arrested for was yeah. the accessory because he was waiting in the car while his friends rolled into a, right. like a gas station and robbed the, like stole, like flat out, give us all your money from the cash. Real register. robbery. Right. He actually got 60 days in jail or something like sentence and served 31 for like accessory to someone stealing a wallet or something. Hmm. Yeah, he was running with the bad crowd. Right, he was. And and experimenting with drugs. Like, this is when he first starts taking a lot of drugs um, while he's in high school, etc. By his senior year, um, he's been arrested several times. He gets kicked out of the literary magazine because he's such a hooligan and a thug and they don't want him to be part of their ranks. And then finally, he gets arrested... Um, and in 1956, and the judge, because this is kind of a baller move, I don't know if judges still do this or not, but I know they used to all through Vietnam and everything. Like, if you got arrested, they would tell you, you're either going to go to jail for this number of years, or you can join the military. Damn. And they would, like, give you the choice between jail and the military. And, like, a lot of people would be, fuck it, I'll join the military. Um, I don't know if anybody still does that. I don't someone know told me that's... something in the military where someone, like, 
had sex with someone out of wedlock and then she got pregnant. And so they said, you're either going to be discharged or you have to marry that girl or something. And they had to marry the person so they didn't get dishonorably discharged. That's, that's, that's weird. fucking weird. Well, they have their own fucking laws, yeah. their, yeah, own, their court own court of justice, like everything. But you can't handle the truth. No, yeah. you can't. No. Um, so he ends up taking the choice of the Air Force. He joins the Air Force in 1956. Um he ends up getting assigned to an Air Force base in Florida, and he becomes an editor for one of the... The Command Courier. Yeah, one yeah. of the publications Sports on, the, on he, the base. He applied to be an aviator, but he got his application rejected. And then, as a result, he transfers to Eglin Air Force Base and lands that... Uh, whatever that... Sports was, editor. Yeah, position. sports yeah, editor for the Command Courier. But, apparently, he had a string of really tough commanding officers and apparently he was also like super disobedient and like made other people around him become disobedient. Yeah. Like I read thing, uh, I read one thing from one of his, uh, his colonels that, that said that he would be a fine airman and he's very intelligent, except he like doesn't, I don't remember the exact quote, but he basically said he, he said in summary, the airman, um, although talented will not be guided by policy. Um, and that, um, sometimes his rebel and superior attitude seems to rub off on the other airmen and staff members. Right. So he was recommended for early honorable discharge. Right. There's so like, he, he can't get him out there. He won't fit yeah. into the cookie cutter. Right. He's not just going get to him out of yeah, just, like, This yeah. guy's not going to change. So, um, by 1958, he, he gets uh, booted out of the Air Force, and this is where he really begins his career um, in journalism. So he ends up working as a copy boy for Time Magazine. In, I'm Jer- not sure in Jersey the- Shore. You see that? No. Yeah, he went to Jersey Shore. That's where he just gym tan laundried all day. He got like fake tan. He just worried about working out, getting laundry done and shit. <laughs> so he became a yeah. Jersey guy. Yeah, he's a Jersey boy. But um, so he wor- he's a copy boy. That's why he wears aviator sunglasses, actually. Like the Jersey oh, Shore rubbed off yeah, on him. Yeah, he's the original D bag. Yeah. Um, so he ends up, and I don't know how he afforded the travel because right away he like spent some time in Puerto Rico and worked for a sports magazine down there. And he's immediately traveling and doing these, I guess it would just must've been a paying journalism gig in Puerto Rico. He was only making yeah, 51 bucks a week from, yeah, from the place he was at. Um, right. Yeah. I don't remember where the place he worked for was probably paying for the airfare. And I would guess. Yeah. So and he end, he ends up writing about his time like in this era and he writes a well, you know a, how he went to Puerto Rico was uh, on hopes to work for a place called El Sportivo like a Spanish sports magazine I was like he doesn't speak Spanish how are you gonna fucking write for that yeah, yeah. but right when he gets to Puerto Rico the fucking that company folded and so he had to go to work for a different place right and while he's there he writes what later becomes an autobiographical novel called The Rum Diary and he tries to shop it around but everybody's like what the fuck is this like yeah. like no. <laughs> <laughs> wrote Prince Jellyfish at the same time. Oh, I didn't even know yeah. about Prince Jellyfish. Yeah, that was an episode on SpongeBob. Yeah. yeah. So the Rum I Diaries. I love that show. The dude. Rum Diaries didn't even get published until 1998. Right. And we're talking this is 1958, 59. Oh, yeah. when it he was wrote after his success with the Hells Angels stuff. After that, then they were like, oh, this motherfucker's good. Was, if it on. was 98, it was way after that because yeah. the Hells Angels stuff was in the oh, 70s. There was something super notable that happened, and all of a sudden they just, oh, you know what it was? It was Fear and Loathing came the out. The movie. And he got such notoriety to a new generation right. yeah. that it became so popular, getting right. caught on fire with the whole Johnny Depp thing, that people were like, oh, let's fucking go publish some old shit that he's got. Yeah. And Johnny Depp played him again in the Rum Diary, didn't oh, he? I don't the know. Movie? I didn't see that. Yeah. I didn't watch yeah, it. Yeah, the Hells Angels uh, came out in 1965. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was his, that was his, his big it was thing. was fear and loathing that blew him back up to get yeah, the rum yeah, diary. Yeah. yeah. So his big thing in 1965, and we talked about this briefly on our Hells Angels episode, but he ends up getting, um, a gig, a writing gig from the nation to write about Hells Angels Motorcycle Club in 1965. And he spent, he ends up uh, writing the story um, in May of 1965. It gets published and it's like super huge. Like the article is like a huge sensation. Nobody knew much about the Hells Angels. He's already made friends with the Hells Angels. And from that point, um, he ends up embedding himself with the Hells Angels for a year. He gets he skipped him getting married, couple, and he and he yeah. got a stomping. Yeah, uh, okay. well, the stomping happens. Yeah, but um, he did works. the stomping happen on the article, or because he ends up writing with, after the article, he rides with them for a year, and that's when he writes the Hells Angels book, which really blows up. The stomping is uh, he witnessed another biker um, beat his wife, and as he's beating the wife, the biker's dog attacks him because he's hitting his wife, and then the guy turns around and beats the shit out of the dog, and Hunter actually calls him out. He said, "You know what? Only a punk." Beats his wife and beats his dog because if you beat one or the other, you're fine. Yeah. Right? If you both. beat them both, you're yeah. a punk. As soon as the dog got hit, yeah, yeah that's fucking over. Much, yeah. He's well, Dave. At all least the way. she could try to scratch his fucking eyes out. But you beat the dog, you don't fucking yeah. hit dogs. Yeah. So, um, but do you, know, do you know if this is during the article or during the book? I think it's after because they start to have some uh, unrest amongst the Hell's Angels because they get so much success. They start to be like, well, hey, motherfucker, you're exploiting us because he's riding yeah. with them for a year later, yeah. and he's like, now you're, you're just using us. We should get right. some this fucking money so right. they want a percentage of the royalties so tensions are high he talks shit to the guy and says hey you're a punk for hitting your wife and dog and the guy's like he's not patched he's not a part of yeah, this shit right. you can't talk to me like that no, it says here you're a punk for hitting your dog is yeah. the quote well the Damn. dog bit him because he fucking hit his wife yeah, yeah so he didn't care about the wife uh. but so they all beat him down and then they, they said oh it was just a little rough and tumble it's not a big deal yeah but what we skipped was he uh hitchhiked across uh, the united states on highway 40 and ended up at the fucking big sur hot spring and he worked there as like the hot springs manager or some shit. Yeah, he lived there for a while. For like eight months. Yeah. And then he writes um, he writes about the culture of the hot springs um, and it actually got kind of popular and it got so much unexpected uh, publicity that he gets fired because he talked about this weird culture that was going on at the oh, hot springs. Right. Probably a bunch of naked people fucking getting in hot sulfur water. Pissing on trees. Yeah. Um, and then he traveled to uh, South America somewhere in there and, and gets married to uh, Sandra Don uh, His Conklin, first wife. His first yeah. wife. Right. That was like 63 or something like that. Okay. Um, so the Hell's Angels thing, he writes the book, it ends up, uh, it's called the Hell's Angels, the strange and terrible saga of the outlaw motorcycle gangs publishes a bunch of really dope photos. You can still find the photos online of when he was with the, he's kind of an amateur photographer. His yeah. idea was that he was going to take pictures of them. Right. He thought he was just going to get these cool shots and then right. he ends up writing about them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that book becomes a massive, massive success. Um, he ends up buying, what I what keeps being referred in everything that I read as a compound in uh, on the outskirts of Aspen, Colorado, that yeah. he names Owl Creek, um, and he moves there with his wife uh, Sandy. Um, they have their son uh, Juan in 1964. <laughs> it's funny they named yeah. him Juan. Yeah, yeah. that's so strange. Weird. Yeah, but it's because where they were living. At I guess the time. it's their first. It's their number one son. That's right. That's why number, number one, one son. First well, one. Speaking of the next ones, they they conceived five more times. <laughs> 
they had three miscarries and the uh, next two died shortly after birth. So they had the next two kids and then they died. Damn. Which resulted and then ended up getting divorced. I mean, he probably blew like, them up. That. Yeah. He might have. Yeah. Like might have. Through, the, through the fetuses in the, into, a, into like a Jeep Cherokee and Or his sperm up. was full of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <acid laughs> fucking <laughs> uppers, downers. Yeah. And what was yeah. the other one we had? Goofies? Goof, goofballs. Goofballs, <laughs> yeah. He took so many goofballs, his sperm was just fucking retarded. <laughs> we just go to the right. Yeah. yeah. They're like, fuck this. We see, the, we, we see the light. We're not doing this. Yeah. So, but again, the, the the marriage was rough because, I mean, he gets married, he has a son, then he goes and spends a year with the Hell's Angels. Yeah. And um, three miscarriages and two. Yeah. So and it's he's not, crazy. It's, uh, and he's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he starts getting, because of this, he starts getting just job offer after job offer, tons of like hot magazines, want him to write stories um, all over the place. And the other big article that really blew up for him and really made him not just a one hit wonder, but kind of really cemented his status was he um, gets hired to, to go and cover the Kentucky Derby. And this is, this is a really defining moment for Hunter S. Thompson. Cause he ends up, he writes an article called the Kentucky Derby is decadent and depraved. And, um, it's the first time that someone refers to anything as gonzo journalism and it totally broke the mold. So they paid him to go and write a story about the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Well, he came up with the term gonzo. No, journalism. someone actually referred to him as that. And he, he kept, he, he kept, coined it, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I forget who some other author um, or an editor guy named, is it Tom uh, Wolf. It was 1970. Someone named Cardoso. Oh, he okay. said, um, he said, this is pure gonzo. Um, if this is a start, keep rolling. Um, and he said, okay, that's what I do. Gonzo. And he, he just loved the term just and kept the it, term yeah. so um i wonder if after the muppets like where did gonzo yeah gonzo probably because that's gonzo the muppet he's like fucking kind of crazy that's like, the only thing i can think about that's gonzo before that or we're the other way, way around yeah. that might have been where gonzo came they might have oh, given maybe. gonzo the time. name because yeah. of this 70, yeah. looking so i i read this article the the whole thing because i really hadn't read much hunter s thompson but i wanted to read this one because this was the birth of his gonzo journalism style and I laughed my ass off because it opens with him getting to the airport and talking to somebody and I'll read a, a brief excerpt from it because he's talking to some Texan guy that he obviously doesn't like. He thinks he's a shit heel, et cetera. And Hunter S. Thompson heel. says, well, maybe I shouldn't be telling you, but hell, everybody seems to know the cop and he's making this up. The cops and the national guards have been getting ready for six weeks. They have 20,000 troops on alert at Fort Knox. They warned us all the press and photographers to wear helmets and special vests like flak jackets. We were told to expect shooting. And he's talking about the fact he, he lies and says he's working right. for Playboy. And he says that this is happening because the Black Panthers are going to storm the Kentucky Derby. So that's part of like the Gonzo thing, which was kind of crazy because as far as like people writing things generally that's frowned upon, but he would like blur the line. Like he would start out factually. Right. And part of his thing of Gonzo is immersing yourself and being the first person character in the writing and writing from that perspective. Right. But also that at some point he would just drift into like bullshit, like right. just like making this shit up and, and making glamorous like claims of things that didn't really happen. Right. So that's his, that's his style. Yeah, that is. His and style. they said like fact checking, it was just fucking horrifying mm -hmm. because it's like, man, we're going to put this shit out. And he's saying things 
things about politicians in some cases. Yeah. And they're like, and people will believe politicians is like snorted coke off fucking sushi right. hookers or right. something. Right. And you're going to, yeah. Yeah. You know, so big magazine, it. et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah. And then even to fuck with the guy, he says, and by the way, it's not just Black Panthers that are coming. There's also a bunch of white supremacists, and they're planning on disguising themselves like regular attendees of the Kentucky Derby. So when you get there, you have to watch out for every white guy because they're probably a white supremacist that's getting ready to fight a Black Panther. So don't trust anybody. And this guy's like, this guy's freaking out and saying, God almighty, what's going on with this country and all this crazy shit. But like, that's how the story opens. You know, like he hasn't even gotten to the Kentucky Derby yet. He's trying to Orson Welles the Kentucky Derby. Exactly. Like this is going to be boring. (laughs) Spice this shit up a bit. This is the type of shit that, that he would do. And again, this article just exploded. And um, I'll, I'll post the full, I'll post a link to the full article in the show notes so you guys can, can check it out. Um, but that, that really put him on the map. I didn't have much else between this and the Battle of Aspen. He, uh, he got 15 grand of royalty check. That's how he bought that house. You were saying as a compound, he got, that's how he put a down payment on his house. Um, he signed something called the writers and editors, uh, war tax protest pledge, uh, basically vowing to refuse tax payments in protest of the Vietnam war. Yeah, so, boring, boring, yeah, boring. Fucking IRS can <laughs> get you to bust yeah. his status. IRS like, will bust yeah. his ass. Yeah. Um, so the battle of Aspen, I had nothing, I had no idea about this. Well, before we get into it, I can't figure out, uh, the first appearance of Gonzo, the Muppet was in 1970. The Cordozo guy that gave him the the coin was in 1970. Yeah. Gonzo does dress like Hunter S. Thompson with like fucking like wacky shirts (laughs) and fuck, but to go with it though, the, the Gonzo just means bizarre or crazy. Right. So we just don't use that term in our vocabulary anymore. That could have been a I, more I, I do. I'm natural back, term. Yeah. yeah, I always do. I so <laughs> uh, in 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 seventy, that could have been a you know something that they used, or maybe just that guy had a different vocabulary. Right. But, you know, right. I'm so it's kind of we're bringing it back. We're yeah, doing it. bringing Gonzo, Gonzo back. Yeah. Bringing Gonzo back. There it is. Yeah. Um, so he ends up running for sheriff of Pitkin County, Colorado on the freak power ticket. Mm-hmm. And the freak power ticket includes him and a guy named Joe Edwards, who was described as a 29 year old pot smoking lawyer. And he was running for mayor. So you have two drug addicts <laughs> running oh, for mayor Christ. and sheriff of Aspen and the platform including, uh, included first, uh, decriminalizing all drugs right but only for personal use not for trafficking <laughs> and not for companies to sell them because he didn't trust the system or the man yeah so he wanted all drugs to be legal to use how are you going to get them if you're not selling them though you still make it your, for grow your own shit make your i don't know grow your own opium yeah, and the, make yeah. everyone. they didn't um, think that far through fields, yeah. he wanted to tear up the streets of aspen and uh plant uh, nothing but grassy pedestrian malls through right. the whole city saw that. so you couldn't drive. He wanted to pave paradise and put up a parking lot. Pretty much. He wanted to ban all buildings that were tall enough to obscure the view of the mountains and have the other ones that were already built destroyed. And he wanted to rename Aspen Fat City Just in to order to investors. deter investors from expanding the so, city. So um, tell me again why he didn't win. He only <laughs> barely lost. Only because the third candidate... <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> he ran no. into he went into Rolling Stones magazine because he was he had forty four percent of the vote and there was yes. a third candidate that put him in the lead basically because he was stealing votes basically yeah. and it's the whole like you drop out so the other candidate yeah. gets those votes because they definitely don't want Hunter S. Thompson but he went into Rolling Stones magazine with a six pack of beer and said I'm going to be the sheriff um, I'm going to write about the freak ticket or whatever he wanted to write an article about freak it. power freak power and then uh, the other guy dropped out to give the other candidate uh, the vote so he didn't steal votes that were going to nothing and he fucking barely, yeah, that guy barely was like, lost he barely that was his platform how, how bad is that lost. how is that how bad is that other guy though <laughs> so, that was losing to him <laughs> but here's the here's what well, sheriff doesn't have the power to tear up the fucking streets and plant grass I, though That's I know like mayor. Like, what, yeah this but is no, ridiculous but him and the mayor, were on, with the the mayor. were on the were Same on the ticket, ticket together definitely could have yeah he definitely could have not fucked with uh it was and that was and and you're you're talking about Hunter S Thompson who's fucking crazy who probably would have done the shit he's like I'm the fucking sheriff of this here county one of the I'm gonna tear up this fucking road. One of the things that was part of the campaign, which I think is fucking hysterical, because this is 1970 and everybody would talk shit about guys with like long hippie hair. Yeah. So Hunter S. Thompson shaved his head bald because his opponent, the sheriff, had a crew cut. You call him his long haired opponent. <laughs> yeah, he shaved his head bald so he could call the guy with the crew cut his long haired opponent. Oh my God. <laughs> At the same time, though, doing very hippie things. Like he used the hair against the other guy, like a hippie. Oh no, guy. he's a total fucking hippie. Yeah. yeah but he was just yeah. using it to fuck yeah. with politicians who would yeah. point out bad things about hippies. Yeah. But yeah, so well, you generally don't have a long haired person that's uh, in a political office. Like right. try to think of fucking no. right. And the poster Donald Trump of the that's not female. <laughs> yeah, the poster <laughs> for the uh, freak power ticket, like their image was it's badass. Uh, it's really badass. It's like a giant yeah, yeah. red communist fist right in like uh, a yeah, black yeah. power. So, stance. but it has two thumbs. Yeah. That's his. That's his, still his thing. It's, right. double, it's, thumbs. Two thumbs. it's double yeah. thumbed and it's holding a peyote button. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that what that is? I couldn't yeah. figure out what the fuck that was it's a, it's a little peyote button. thing that's yeah. the thing they shot his ashes out of though at his yeah. at his funeral yes. there like, was a cannon yeah. that had that that logo 150 on it, foot yeah. tall or whatever that yeah. thing was yeah. fucking yeah yeah Crazy. so fucking awesome um and again the whole thing gets written it's called it's an article called the battle of aspen comes out in rolling stone that october and this really like makes a long-standing relationship that he has with rolling stone and even though it kind of falls apart at some point he's he's still involved with rolling stone until his death oh yeah like they named him yeah. their con their current events editor i forget he had some official That's title bullshit like until the day though, he yeah. died and he was still part of the of he was the actually magazine. the only um uh, writer that they ever had that didn't write a music article he referenced music many times but he never actually wrote anything yeah. about music right he liked music though yeah and but his reference all the time. his writing though is largely attributed to the success of Rolling Stone. Like I mean, the fact that it's a cutting edge, like whatever, right. like it was because they starting in 1970, Hunter S. Thompson was them. Yeah, right? yeah and he did, like, critical review and music stuff really, but he right. made it more political. It's like the Playboy thing. How, yeah, like it wasn't just naked women. They got controversial political arguments and and social. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Economic. I don't know how they confused him. Like, was he a journalist or was he this or that? And it's like, no, he he was pretty. Much much just a journalist who wrote the story of his life right you know like those are the movies he that wrote came out his that he crazy drug-addled perspective of whatever <laughs> yeah. they sent him to do a story yeah. on yeah like he wasn't trying and those to, were the movies that he, came out right, those were the books right. you know? he wasn't trying to represent objective truth of the story he was representing his opinion of the yeah. story and he was all fucked up and high the, the whole time, time he yeah. was doing it so but his his relationship with rolling stone was so tight that at 
they would send him to hotels, right? Wherever, wherever he was flying, they would book his flight. They would set up his hotels and someone would go in advance and stock his hotel room with booze, grapefruit and speed. Yeah. And they would install a primitive fax machine. That thing was crazy looking. I saw it on a fucking little documentary. And they called it the Mojo Wire. That was his name (laughs) for it. And at all hours, at like three in the morning, whatever. Well, they said he he only worked from midnight till six in the morning. So So all night in the middle of the night, he would be forwarding page after page to Rolling Stone of shit that he was writing. And And then once he got back home, he would edit it, put in transitions, write an intro, do whatever. But he would just send the content over this so, was, i mean that was how much clout and how popular he was but he Rolling was so Stone bad like there was up. a story on one of the documentaries <clears throat> about like meeting deadlines and shit that he was like okay i'm sending it now and he had his friend he's like when i tell you to unplug that shit so he's like started sending it and then had his friend fucking unplug it during transmission so it's like, um, half so it was like i don't know it's part. not working it's just not working i don't know what's happening because he couldn't meet the deadline but they said he would literally be so tight on deadlines that he would end up just ripping pages out of his notebook and send it to him and it would just be unlegible fucking shit that they right. would have to decode yeah. and figure out and then edit and it would literally be like the editor waiting like fuck the whole thing is waiting on this one fucking thing from right. Hunter again right. and it would show up at three in the fucking morning scratch on fucking paper not ready yeah. to go and but they, they it valued him that much yeah. that they He's, dealt with that he shit. He sold enough copies yeah. like he was a fucking he was the rock yeah. star of journalism and Rolling Stone had it. had to yeah. deal with I it. I mean you had to deal with it. Well, and if they his, didn't deal with it he would have gone somewhere else and they would have fucking dealt with Brad it. Brad mentioned you know? his crazy work schedule there is the coolest three minute clip um, that Rogan has about Hunter S. Thompson's regimen for the day. And it goes through like wake up at it's like three. Oh, I've got it. Yeah. I've got wake, it right oh, here. I can't wait for it. It's, yeah, it's so um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go into it right now. So it was from a book called The Strange and Savage Life of Hunter S. Thompson. And there was a journalist named E. Jean Carroll who went and spent a couple of days with Hunter S. Thompson, wrote a biography about him, and then cataloged one of his days. And in it, um, and I don't know if Eugene Carroll is a guy or a girl. I have no it's idea. Eugene's cousin. Okay. It doesn't matter these days. <laughs> it doesn't days, matter. Why, yeah, it's not relevant. That's right. Yeah. So uh, Carroll It's very relevant. Said, so I want to know now. We have three, to find out. Like, here's the list. 3 p.m., and this is the daily. That's when he wakes this up. This is the daily. 3 p.m., rise. 3.05, Chivas Regal with morning paper, Dunhills. There you which go, is Brad. Type of That's cigarette. your boy. You got Chivas Regal for breakfast. 3.40. year too. He was drinking. Yeah. yeah. 3.45, cocaine. Yeah. 3.50, another glass of Chivas, Dunhill. 4.05, first cup of coffee, Dunhill. 4.15, cocaine. 4.16, orange juice, Dunhill. 4.30, cocaine. 454 <laughs> cocaine, 505 cocaine, 511 coffee Dunhills, 530 more ice in the Chivas, 545 cocaine, etc., etc. <laughs> some pills that were unidentified to the person. They're like, I don't know what that was. Six o'clock, grass to take the edge off the day. What time was it? It's, three, it's been three 6 hours. PM. He's been awake for the three edge hours. has been created by him doing coke <laughs> like nine times. Yeah. yeah. Um, 705, Woody Creek Tavern for lunch, Heineken, two margaritas, coleslaw, a taco salad, double order of fried, on, fried onion rings, carrot cake, ice cream, a bean fritter, Dunhills, another Heineken. 
cocaine, and for the ride home, a snow cone, which is a glass of shredded ice, over which is poured three or four jiggers of Chivas. Yeah, it was a Chivas snow cone. That's yeah. fucking gangster. He's the man. Whiskey snow but cones. this is the other side of it. They said that they didn't know if that was really his real thing or like, if that was the, the witness of that day. image. Putting on a show uh, for yeah, this. Yeah, because like, he was a character. Well, I'll tell you, know, you like, what. You can't fucking pretend that too much. I mean... Well, he did a lot of drugs. Yeah. I mean, right. he, he a did tolerance. a lot of drugs. He had a tolerance. He, well, drank, he did drink a lot. Oh, no, I'm not done. He doesn't start his day till midnight of work. 9 p.m. starts snorting cocaine seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those are just bumps earlier. Yeah, yeah. those are all... Yeah, exactly. These are lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, now, we're into, yeah, now we're into some good stuff. 10 p.m. drops acid. 11 o'clock, chartreuse cocaine grass. Uh, uh, 11.30, I don't know. Cocaine, etc., etc. That's another, that's at 11.30. Midnight, Hunter S. Thompson is ready to write. Yeah. Uh, 12.05 to 6 a.m., he's writing chartreuse cocaine grass, Chivas coffee, Heineken, clove cigarettes, grapefruit, Dunhills, orange juice, gin, continuous pornographic movies. Yeah. 6 a.m., the hot tub champagne, dove bars, fettuccine Alfredo, eight o'clock, Halcyon, eight twenty, sleep in the sure, morning. Yeah. He took a sleeping pill to get to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. At eight in the morning. And yeah. he woke up three fucking four, oh, Kevin, seven hours of sleep. He must have jogged a whole lot to burn off all that fucking <laughs> sure, so The cocaine just had his metabolism Maybe. fucking ramp. That's the secret. I can yeah. have carrot cake and dove bars in the yeah. jacuzzi with champagne. Green, yeah. green chartreuse is 110 proof. Damn. It's made with 130 herbs, plants, and flowers. It's Ooh. made by... Uh, Tastes like cold Char- Yeah, it sounds awful. Uh, Carthusian <laughs> monks since 1737 Damn. in a monastery. I think we need to get some of that. So, th- yeah, we do need to get some of that. <laughs> Actually, I'm now very curious. I'll move past the herbs, the fucking herbs. And sw- it's Mrs. Dash with whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Several it's probably like spices. a potent Jägermeister, I'm guessing. God help us if it's like that other shit that we got. Oh, Jesus, know. yeah. What was that stuff called? The Malort? garbage? Oh, the Malort, yeah. Oh, Ugh. fuck. Um, so, and I this, like that. That tastes like fucking grapefruit and bandits. Bitters. Yeah. yeah. So this lifestyle is what leads to his magnum opus, which is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. In 1971, he gets an assignment from Sports Illustrated to cover the Mint 400, which is a motorcycle race in the Nevada desert. Um, he goes there in March to witness the the race, and the resulting piece ends up with an out-of-control, mega-gonzo, drug-fueled, bizarre fucking tale of going through Las Vegas, trying to get to this race, trying to write, being high as fuck on everything. That country, man. Yeah. That, that scene where Johnny Depp listed the uh, the fucking suitcase drugs or whatever. Yeah, everything. That's really yeah. from this entry. Like, yeah. yeah. That, that's a real list of yeah. drugs. Yeah. Um, it gets published in 1972. Um, it's huge. Um, in 1998, um, much later, it got turned into the film that we're talking about, directed by Terry Gilliam, who's an amazing director, stars uh, Johnny Depp and Benicio Del Toro. Um, and I must admit, and this isn't, this at first will sound like I'm talking shit about this movie. It's one of two movies that I got up and left while I was an adult. What was it? Fear and Loathing in Las oh, okay. Vegas. I, try, I, I went to the theater. I watched it. And here's the thing. I do not like 
drugs, right? I do not like being high. I do not like feeling out of control mentally. And by about 45 minutes, you live with yourself about 45 minutes into the movie, I felt so fucked up and high and chaotic (laughs) and weird. I was so psychologically uncomfortable. I couldn't take it anymore. And I had to fucking leave the movie theater. And again, that is not an indictment of the movie. To me, that's how powerful this movie is. No, it made you feel like you were on drugs. It made me feel like I was on drugs and I hate that feeling. And I had to get up and walk. I fucking love when they turn into the dinosaurs. And he's like, I only remember parts of my fucking golf cleats, man. My fucking golf cleats. (laughs) I just didn't want to watch it before the show because I have a tendency to like I'll start I quoting everything yeah. right, that. right. Yeah. <clears throat> so the the list of drugs I pulled it up it's it's a bag of grass 75 two pellets, bags of grass oh two bags of grass 75 pellets of mescaline five sheets of high-powered blotter acid a salt shaker half full of cocaine <laughs> a whole galaxy of multicolors uppers downers screamers laughers also a quart of tequila a quart of rum a case of beer a pint of raw ether and two dozen amyls and I looked up amyls. They're like an inhalant. Like it's mm-hmm. something for, it says it's euphoric head rush for it's two like minutes. It's like those poppers. The, They're the, poppers, yeah. basically, yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's the thing awesome. from, from Wonder Woman that the, so, the bad guy Yeah, that's right. So he ends up going there, and again, it turns into a novel. He doesn't even call this journalism. He calls it a novel, and it's not really written about Hunter S. Thompson. It's written about his Raul alter Duke. ego. Yeah, Raul. What is Raul Duke, Raul Duke. And his lawyer, Dr. Gonzo, who was actually in real life his friend, Oscar Acosta, who went on the trip with him. Who was played him. by Benicio Del Toro. Right. So um, he ended up fic- I don't know why he fictionalized him I don't know why he he had several um, alter egos like throughout mm. his career yeah. he had Raul uh, Duke Sebastian Owl who in which whom he named his compound after the, okay, uh, the, the Owl, Owl, yeah. Yeah. Owl, Owl Creek um, Owl Creek yeah and then uh, Gene Skinner and then Jefferson Rank so those were all his alter ego he was Gene Persimmons too Gene mm. Persimmons <laughs> <laughs> Man, I got no jokes for that. One. It's, hard, it's hard to uh, joke or rhyme persimmon. Yeah, cookies yeah. with your tongue out. I yeah, don't know. You got it. Um, so, yeah, Fear and Loathing, it blows up. I've never read it because I suspect much Dave doesn't like, want to feel like drugs Exactly, anymore. much like the movie. It's better than the yeah, movie. Exactly, my assumption is I can't fucking handle it yeah. and I don't I don't. Dave's like see. reading my page three, he's just like wandering around <laughs> in his living room. Scr- what the fuck is that? <laughs> the enamel's falling yeah. off my teeth and I'm scratching sores in my arms. Oh, D- Dave gets a DUI <laughs> on the way to Sprouts. He just has a baby in his living room on his own. He's like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I can stock up on rubber gloves so I can stop traffic. <laughs> yeah, he blows yeah, into the breath. <laughs> test positive yeah. for shit he didn't take. And just goes into Walmart and starts stealing shit. <laughs> That's when you know I'm high. Yeah, just um, with, his, with his crotch out. I was going to say your crotch. It, look, it, it looks like, like a, looks like a, looks like a wait- Mexican pinata. <laughs> I was waiting for the crotch to make an appearance. <laughs> we got to come up with an alter ego name for the yeah. crotch. It just has its own name. <laughs> it's Dr. Longzo. <laughs> Longzo? Just Gonzo. Yeah. So fear and loathing is, is, is his uh, biggest thing. And again, Terry Gilliam is a brilliant director. He's one of my favorite directors out there. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, I recommend seeing the What about the, the directors in there, Dave? Yeah. As far as the ones out there. It was a weird descriptive term that you used that was a little bit excessive. So You've never heard that? Maybe I'm One of the better directors know. out there? I don't there? like it. Out there? I don't like it. Like, <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> 
just one of what? the better directors out there seemed extra yeah. to me. I don't know why. One of the better directors out, out there. there. Out there. Not in here. As opposed to in That's where? What you're yeah. saying. Like I'm in the saying. basement. Yeah. He's by far the best director in the basement. I don't, I don't know. know. He's not here, though. I don't know. I haven't directed anything yet. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. That is very true. <laughs> I have, and I, I'm not as good. I directed Traffic one time. It was a See? charity event. There you go. Yeah. Um, didn't go well. No. So You didn't have rubber gloves. See? <laughs> I had that's one white key. glove. Yeah, you needed one, one the key. latex glove. That's why, the, that's why when cops direct traffic, they do put on white gloves. Yeah, they do. They have their white fucking traffic gloves. Did you have a whistle? No. I was not See, given a whistle. You weren't even ready. No, it was not my fault. You were not ready. You're just setting up your own joke over yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. No. Nope. Too real bad. Nope. He wasn't ready. <laughs> so, so his next big thing was the presidential campaign, and it was Richard Nixon versus uh, George McGovern. Fucking hates Nixon. This hates guy. fucking he Nixon's hates guts. Um, at one point after Nixon died, he wrote an article, and he said, Nixon could shake your hand and stab you in the back at the same time. Sounds about right. And he said his casket should have been launched into one of those open sewage canals that empty into the oceans just south of Los Angeles. He was a swine of a man and a jabbering dupe of a president. He was an evil man, evil in a way that only those who believe in the physical reality of the devil can understand it. What do you he mean? Also, <laughs> he sounded like Mr. Ed. Oh, he, object. he also wrote if there was any true justice in the world that Nixon's uh, rancid carcass would be somewhere down around Easter Island right now in the belly of a hammerhead shark. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, what the fuck? Dude? This is this is what he writes like the week well, after Nixon. Nixon yeah, dies. And, and you know, like, <laughs> titled in a, Nixon po- in a poem a, titled Too Nixon Soon. Nixon wasn't a great man. Yeah, yeah and he was, he was a polarizing figure. Yeah. But, but at the same time, the, the, the article's really weird because at the same time, he's mourning Nixon's loss. He names he like says, the three meanest people in the world, though, and he said Jimmy Carter. Like, he picked Jimmy Carter as one of the most evil men right. in the world. I can't remember who the, who the other two people were. Because he, like, he, he says Nixon gave him the passion for politics that he had until he died. And he kept saying that now that Nixon's dead, he feels lonely. Because <laughs> this piece of shit isn't around for him to watch no anymore. Oh like all this, God. like so it's he this weird just, piece. You can't take anything. This guy, this guy's fucking crazy. Like <laughs> yeah. he is, he's it was Batman's Joker. If there yeah. Was, yeah, basically. You know? yeah. I guess Batman would just be sitting around with Alfred. Right. Get boring. <laughs> he would get fat playing PlayStation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, you want to play Destiny, Robin? <laughs> then Alfred you play dies. Destiny, Robin. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Batman. <laughs> We need to go to Krispy Kreme. <laughs> we need donuts, Robin. <laughs> bat dude underscore. Holy bat balls, Batman. <laughs> Can I suck your dick? Wait, wait, no, that's not. That's, where did that? What? It's Robin. That's what Robin does. That's not what Robin yeah. does. Holy big cans of tuna, Batman. It's a lot of mercury. <laughs> <laughs> um, I approve. If I had a bell, I would have dung it. There you go. Dung it? Dung it. See? I'm rubbing off on everybody. <laughs> He's an English. Hey, you have, yeah. That. See, and everybody's making fun of me. You have brought it, Dave. I oh, did. No. <laughs> dung it. Past yeah. tense of dunging. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah dunging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You ever been dunged? Yeah. 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 I haven't. Dave's a real dunger. Yeah. yeah. I love dungeon rings. <laughs> the whole thing. Right. So you're dung now? I yeah. am. <laughs> Are you dung? Yeah. <laughs> Are we done here? Um, we got to go. So, but shortly after the presidential campaign, he starts to hit sort of a rough patch. Um, he goes to Zaire for the big Muhammad Ali. It was the Ali Foreman, right? The big. Uh, yeah. 
George the, Foreman Muhammad. The, yeah, yeah, the the Rumble in the Jungle. Uh, Why awesome, got to be in the like, Jungle? That's what it was called. Really? Yeah. One of the some black undertones there. That's sure. Jungle yeah, It's fucked up, man. Why you get all quiet when I say shit about racial things? I didn't. I was just when I say you shit much about, about the racial the things, I don't yeah, know much about the Rumble in the Jungle. I don't know. Either. I know he wrote uh, about it. It was pretty cool. It was a big. It was a big, awesome fight. Like the two of them went to Zaire. I believe it was the fight where Ali like showed the rope a dope. Like where the, his technique was to just get the shit beat out of him by George Foreman mm-hmm. until Foreman was Got so tired. weak he couldn't throw a punch anymore and then knock George Foreman out, which shows you what a fucking badass you are. Right. Like, that's just crazy. But no, they went to Zaire, huge fight, massive. Like it was the fight of the fucking century. And um, they sent him down to cover it and he skipped the fight. And instead spent the time floating in the hotel pool where he lost a pound and a half of marijuana in the pool (laughs) and didn't ever go to the fight. And Rolling Stone was really fucking pissed off. And it started to... That is a lot. (laughs) That's a fucking lot. And the thing is, like... Did he smuggle a pound and a half of weed to Zaire? And here's Did he the thing. buy it in Zaire? Was like, it a jacuzzi or a pool? Like, why would you take a pound and a half of weed to the, the pool? That's like a pillow, dude. That's like a pillowcase. That was his flotation that's device. Of, yeah, that's a lot of weed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if it was fluffed up, it was yeah. compressed, yeah. maybe. You're looking, yeah. you're looking at a gallon size. What's that? Gallon size fucking oh, freezer easy. bag? Yeah, an ounce in a Ziploc bag is yeah. huge if it's fluffed out. Like, a fucking pound would be a right. ton. Yeah, right. What else is huge if it's fluffed out? Yeah, me. Dave's crotch. Get ready. <laughs> You take an afro pick to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it stays down there. But the thing is, he said, the like the article said, he into which he tossed a pound and a half of marijuana. So I don't think he, it was an um, accident. I think he was scattering the right. marijuana around the pool so he could swim in a weed pool. That's Probably. My, or it was going to attract my, some fairy so, monster. Yeah, I don't fucking like, know. Yeah. So he that's misses the fight, high. doesn't pr- produce the article, and this sort of spells an era where his drug use and his fucking ridiculousness starts to get him in trouble he's no longer barely meeting the deadlines he's just not meeting the deadlines um and he starts to kind of piss people off at rolling stone um they because he did such a good job a uh, good job a good job with the nixon campaign in 72 four years later in 76 they try to get him rolling stone tries to get him to cover the the presidential campaign again they're they promised him a $75,000 uh, advance, which tells you how much fucking money he's pulling in. Yeah. Like, the, he, they're giving him a $75,000 advance. That's that's that not story. even, yeah. Like, for that story, in a magazine in 1976. Well, it's it's going to make it interesting. Maybe he has like, to go on that money, like, fucking state to state, like, following the campaign, though. Maybe, or maybe, oh, you know what? I think it was because he was supposed to turn it into a book. Oh. He was supposed to write it as a series of articles and then also make it a book and of course like the other books it would have been a fucking blockbuster you know like fear and loathing yeah like the hell's angels like they were just banking on yeah. uh, a mega mega they, book they knew what they were doing right they were, they were trying to get him to to produce something that's gonna but make a ton of money while he's waiting for the advance the publisher uh jan wenner 
canceled the assignment without informing him because right. he's been flaking out on so much yeah. shit. So he's waiting around for $75,000 in advance. It never comes. Um, and this starts to have a very rocky relationship with him and Rolling Stone. And then um, they ask him to go to Vietnam. Yeah, which is he, real fucked up. And he just fucking jumps on a plane to Saigon in the middle of fucking craziness, I guess. Like, it was literally so crazy there that all the other reporters were catching the last It was when fucking, Saigon was falling. Yeah, they yeah. were just jumping out. The rest of the reporters were like, bailing. He shows up, and they don't tell him they also canceled that one. Yeah. But he's fucking there now. Yeah. He has no money. Yeah. <laughs> he has no, oddly enough, now the they're just fucking no with health him. insurance. Now fuck. they're just fucking yeah. with him. Yep. They're, they're fucking with him because he's, he's not producing on them so they're not producing on him that's right. what they're doing and they published his story about the fall of Saigon fucking 10 years later like he finally wrote the story got out of Saigon <laughs> sent it to Rolling Stone and they just fucking sat on it for a decade yeah. like makes sense I see crazy. what they're doing there yeah they're fucking with him yeah. um, he ends up getting a divorce in 1980 from his wife Sandy is that a second wife or is that his same that's, that's wife that's the same one that's still same at this one? point uh, and, first one, and yeah. they kind of stayed together though. like he kept referring that him and his family relocate him and his family relocate they stayed good friends they just divorced mm. it yeah. sounded like his third wife uh, liked his first wife too, like she because she was saying only like saw second wife. I don't know about third wife. Uh, well, maybe it was a second wife. Yeah, then. second. The what's, younger what's one her name? That was his yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. She said she's like, oh yeah, she did really good raising the kids and blah. Like she had nothing but good stuff right. to say about her. So it, it Anita, seemed like Anita. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I need a fortune cookie. <laughs> what? I need a man to kiss and hug. Yeah. I need an apple bomb. Yeah. Got it going on. Yep. Yeah. I was hoping somebody would get that obscure obscureness. So um That was an accident. I didn't from, lies. <laughs> I swear my You're a liar. My notes folded. From seventy nine to ninety four, he releases a bunch of his writings that he calls the Gonzo Papers that Random House uh releases. So he's not hurting for fucking money. I mean he's still he's selling. struggling to write though. They were saying yeah. he's pulling out old material, regurgitating. Yeah, yeah shit. because he's on drugs yeah. and yeah. fucking old. His and his brain is he's fucking pulling out Uncle Rico. Is like if Coach would have put him in, man, he'd have been all. Awesome. He, he was yeah. struggling right. writing in Las Vegas, tearing out notebooks, right. fucking sending him. Right. He's always struggled writing. <laughs> like there's nothing different about this. Yeah, because it takes a bag of cocaine and a bottle of Chivas to get yeah. him to midnight. That's yeah. why. So, so but that's yeah. expensive writing. Yeah, you gotta make a lot yeah. of money. And Fuck he has to yeah. write the fucking Great Gatsby every time he starts. So yeah. we didn't yeah. talk about that. He rewrites the Great Gatsby, and what was the other book? Uh, well, someone he, also rises. He, that's how he started um, writing. Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, yeah, that's how he started writing. He started writing, uh, copying some of his favorite authors. Word he would for literally word, word for yeah. word write them because he said he wanted to know how it felt to write mm-hmm. those books. And I was like, that's actually smart you it know is. what i mean like you you yeah it, as a writer what do you think about that like i think it's i read it too and i was like that's a really fucking good idea it's like a rhythm yeah, i don't think get their you get their habits yeah, i would their you, you get know, their, their tone, writing their style, style yeah. what they like little things that you can't quantify and you can't put your finger on that every writer does differently you're just going to start to internalize it i guess yeah. it would like a musician doing a cover song like playing someone else's songs to kind of try to warm up and get right. just into it right well and if you actually hand wrote the great gatsby you now feel like you wrote that that's in you right 
you know, like right. you've, you've typed right. every word. No, it would, know? it would definitely. I, can't do that. I have to look at my fingers when I type. So. I don't think I would have the stamina to do a whole fucking book. Like Although that's pretty 60, crazy. Then again, yeah. I'm not fucking whacked out on Coke. And <laughs> on an old school typewriter. Yeah. yeah well, and when you're learning, typewriter. when you're learning something, you want to, you want to mimic those who already have it down yeah. and then you develop your own style in that, you know, it's probably hard to separate from that though and not start. Fucking, uh, like, I don't think so. I think if you're, you're either good at it or you turn into a copycat, right? You know what I mean? And the people who are good at it. Right. If you're good at it, it's just going to, you're going to just go unconsciously or consciously take parts of that style and merge it into your own. You know, it's just like martial arts or anything you do. You, you, when you begin, you're doing exactly what your instructor says, Right. but towards the, you know, as you get better. Yeah. But as you get better though, you get your own style, you know? No, when I read about that, I actually, I actually thought it would be helpful like I was like, oh, that'd be really helpful. Like if I picked like a chapter of some of my favorite authors and just like rewrote the chapter, right. I would probably yeah. come to some discovery. I wouldn't come to discoveries. I would if I read the whole fucking book, but I don't have that much time or that much coke. That's yeah. how I developed Cat's Claw Kung Fu. I originally learned the snake style, but I was observing my mm-hmm. cat got in a fight with a cobra one day mm-hmm. in my hut um, when I was living in a small village. And then I developed the Cat's Claw yeah. cat style. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's an impressive style. Yeah, I like it. It, yeah. it seems to work against Eagle Claw or Snake style. Yeah. It's no match against mine, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little weak. It's a little weak against monkey paw. Yeah. I've noticed. If yeah. you're right, no candy fin though. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. My style of club foot. It's just <laughs> it's hard to beat. Well, very powerful. I, I'm not cutting my toes off to learn your style. It's so very yeah. powerful. That yeah. shoe is crazy. All yeah. duct taped on the end that you got. And I don't know if either of you can match my camel toe style. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard. Well, the problem just is a golf shoe. It, it's because like, Dave has a weapon. It's safe, and, it's safe and warm in there. Yeah, that's right. like, yeah. If you that's try to right. kick him in the crotch, your foot gets stuck. <laughs> yeah. And then while your foot's stuck, he pulls that hair. He pick does a out. fucking car. There's a hair pick in his ball yeah. fro every fucking time. He pulls the hair pick out, but it's a metal one. And it's like it an old school eighties. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, you look at like old like you know Chinese martial arts styles. Like all their weapons were farm implements. Mine tend to be things that I use to manscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Afro picks. Scissors, clippers. Clippers. Nice oh, pair shit. of clippers. Yeah. <laughs> Got those Put fucking Osters. Guard, yeah, Oster, 1978 yeah. Osters. Like <laughs> they put Jerry Curl on the floor and you slip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some activator. Yeah, yeah. activator you conditioner. Don't put Jerry, Soul just, glow. You don't put Jerry Curl yeah. on the floor. You put activator yeah. on the floor to um, give the floor a Jerry yeah. Curl. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 Hit you in the eye with some tea tree oil. That's right. A little soul glow. Yeah. Yeah. Camel toes are wicked style. You know what though? Your skin is very, um, very soft and smooth after you fight Dave. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that one. That's one positive. Coming to America when they all the family gets up off the couch and there's just those three grease spots. Yeah, yeah. For the, from the soul glow. Yeah, <laughs> man. Oh, I was gonna say I, when I, I had to go to court and the jurors that were on the panel. After they left, I didn't notice it for the longest time. For the time. record, that girl looked at least 21. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> for you, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, as the jurors left, I was I leaned over to the guy next to me, and I'm like, hey, I'm like, look at the wall. And there was grease spots on the wall from where the, yeah, where the jurors had been setting their heads and it's probably years. You know what I mean? Like 1970s, like (laughs) just grease spots. And he was like, Oh, and I was like, Oh man, like that's horrible. Those people are just setting their head back and all this, these nasty grease spots. Horrible. Nothing worse than a jury grease spot. No, <laughs> I've said that for years. That's what they say. That's the worst that for years. Yeah. So um, I don't have much else between this point when he married. He marries Anita uh, Bejmuk in two thousand and three. <laughs> 
Um, and then just a couple years later, he ends up uh, killing himself. Yeah, she was yeah. a horrible wife. He does some writing for Playboy in 83. Uh, he gets uh, arrested for drunk driving. He just gets pulled over for, like, fucking running a stop sign and then proceeds to be Hunter S. Thompson to the cop and fucking, right. fucking like, yells at him and shit. Fucking pulls out fucking coke and does it in front yeah. of the cop. And then they arrest him, but he somehow gets off, um, whatever. He did that article for Playboy called Couples Pornography. Um, what else did he do? Uh, I don't know. I think you are about that's we're getting to it. Oh no, there was some. Uh, he fucking shoots his assistant. Oh, that's right. Can't I forget forgot that about shit. That. I didn't have that in my notes, but I read about it. So, yeah, he shoots his assistant trying to save her from a bear. Like there's a bear at her fucking house, and he tells her like, "Don't open the door. There's a bear or something." And he fucking shows up with a shot. Do you really believe him though? Like, <laughs> right. is there really a bear there? <laughs> He's on fucking acid. <laughs> he said he shot. Well, I guess she was. She the bear. Her, her, fuck, where did I write it? Oh, she said, um, I screamed. He shot at the gravel below the bear, and all the buckshot came up. One hit her in the arm, one hit her in the leg. And he, she said, oh, I screamed, you son of a bitch, you shot me. And poor Hunter, I don't think I've ever seen him run so fast. He felt horrible. I was like, run so fast? Like he just took off. Just took off. Like, like he shot, realized he hit her, and yoink. Yeah. <laughs> like he He's just, like, please don't tell your mom. Please don't tell your mom. Please don't tell your mom. <laughs> no files were charged. Yeah, she continued being his There assistant. was no files I, charged. I don't think there was a bear there. I think that was a made-up story so that he wouldn't get in trouble. That was in uh, 2000 that happened. One we skipped, though, was in 1990. A former porn director, Gail Palmer, came to his house. Um, Gail Palmer. And she yeah. accused him of sexual assault. I guess he tried to... Uh, he twisted her breast because she refused to tr- join him in the hot tub. So mm-hmm. he gave her a titty twister for yeah, not getting the hot tub. That's what you do. So she told authorities and a six-person, 11-hour search ensued of his home. And they found dynamite after well, he twisted her titty. So, you know. That's all they he found? Got, he, got in char- he got in trouble for, for twisting, her twisting titty. a titty, but then they he got searched. in trouble for dynamite. So he, he I did. can't believe they searched his house and all they came up with was dynamite. Uh, yeah. Not fucking mescaline and eight pounds of weed and a fucking tanker full of coke. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, just, that's all well, I see. Huh. He, uh, he worked with the NRA to file or to... Uh, uh, create the Fourth Amendment Foundation, which yeah. centers around illegal search and seizure. Mm-hmm. So maybe this was kind of like a, a kickoff point for yeah, him. Maybe because how do you a, how yeah, do you twist somebody's titty exactly. and then all of a sudden they're searching your house? You know. So. You want to talk about uh, his uh, practical joke with uh, Jack Nicholson before? Yeah, his we'll death? do that. We'll talk about two other. Yeah, that yeah. and one other thing. So the Jack Nicholson thing. So he, he's friends with a tons of celebrities, obviously, right. and. Um, in his book, The Kingdom of Fear, which was a, an autobiography that he wrote, he tells the story <laughs> of him going to Jack Nicholson's house on Jack Nicholson's birthday at night while Jack Nicholson was asleep. Right. And, and he, his, he's with his two daughters. He's alone. Just his two daughters. That are just young Jack daughters. and his two daughters. They're, yeah. who's like, they're like he's nine. Jack and his kids. two daughters? Wait Jack a minute. And his two daughters. Jack and his oh, two daughters. Oh, I thought you said he was Jack no. and his two daughters. I was so, like, that's fucking sick. Um. He describes that he shows up with, quote, a massive outdoor amplifier, a tape recording of a pig being eaten alive by bears, a million watt spotlight and a nine millimeter Smith and Wesson semi-automatic pistol with teakwood handles and a box of high powered ammunition. I like how they mention the handles. Like yeah. who gives a fuck yeah. if it has teakwood handles? So he shines the light at the house so you can't fucking see what's going on yeah. there. Starts playing the tape of animals being mauled is how it was described. Right. Yeah. Um, and then just starts firing his fucking nine off in the air. And Jack Jesus looks Christ. like, what the fuck is happening outside? But he doesn't call the cops. 
No, he doesn't call the cops. He like runs into the cellar, which is like some kind of a panic room or something. They fortify themselves because he just had a reason. No, but the thing that's weird, he doesn't call the cops. He calls the fucking FBI. The next day, though. The next day. But no, so they run to the cellar or the basement or whatever Mm -hmm. and lock themselves in overnight and sleep there overnight because they're scared because they don't know who the fuck it is. He's not going to open the door. Why would you not call the cops? You you know, here's why. It seemed immediate. So on top of searchlight, animal creepy noises, shooting guns, he notices blood running under the front door into his house. Because Hunter S. Thompson had put a fresh elk heart on his fucking porch <laughs> and the blood started to run under his house. So they run to the basement. The next day they get up. Hunter doesn't tell him, hey, Jack, it was fucking me or anything. I was just fucking just with you. leaves him to it. And so he calls the fucking FBI the next day to be like, hey, someone fucking left up bloody heart on my porch and there was all these horrible noises and guns were going off and we slept in the basement. So he calls the fucking FBI on him. Then for Christmas... He mails Jack Nicholson's So he likes daughter. Jack Nicholson, right? Yeah, they're friends. Uh, they're friends. So he's just, they're just pranks. So he's, yeah. just, he's just toilet papering his house Basically, yeah. This is the Hunter S. Thompson way, though. <laughs> like his daughters call him Uncle Thompson or whatever. Yeah. So um, he sends the nine-year-old daughter an ornately wrapped gift. It was described like it looks like Christmas presents. Right. She opens it. Blows up. And it's a fucking like, uh, like a model or like prop, ra- like dead rat. Super graphic trap. and realistic. Yeah, they said it looks really like a movie prop. Like yeah. it looks like a dead rat caught in a trap um, with a letter that says, Dear Lorraine, this will teach you a lesson about trusting men, which will be valuable later <laughs> in life. Christ. You're welcome, Uncle Hunter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> She's nine. <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah. So how's she doing? Yeah. Like, should, we do, should we do an episode on her? So check this out, though. One of my favorite ones is Don Johnson. Did you see that? No. Don Johnson got a high and mighty because at some point they live um, next door to each other. Okay, so this is what happened. Hunter gets his doctorate, but it's a mail order doctorate. Yeah. He starts going by Doctor Fucking Thompson. Yeah. He enjoys it, but it's a doctorate in divinity, right? And so um, Don Johnson's like this motherfucker, you like know, the candy. He's like, yes, like candy. <laughs> okay. It's like white fudge. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it's hard to make. Yeah, dude. the humidity has to be yeah, just has right. Has to be just. To be right. I'm, glad you, I'm surprised you know, I know that. What's up, yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> I've never heard of it. So uh, Don Johnson's like this motherfucker's not a doctor. So Don Johnson gets all fucking high, high on his fucking horse and goes, hey. Don Johnson's not an actor He's like, hey, either. he presents him with a, a Zen riddle. And it's, what is, he asks Hunter, he says, That's hey, right. he's a smart ass. He's like, hey, you're a doctor of divinity. He's like, what is the sound of one hand clapping? And immediately Hunter S. Thompson slaps the fucking shit out of Miami Vice. <laughs> and Don Johnson tells the account that his ears rang for three days. He slapped him so That's fucking the sound. hard. One hand slapping. Slapping the fuck out of you, that's but quickly. Funny. I mean, he was like, "Hey, what's the sound of one hand slapping Slap. to a fucking doctor?" That's yeah, wop slaps funny. the fuck out of him and lets his ears. And I know that's an old Zen koan. What's the sound of one hand clapping? And it's meant to make you like be philosophical. But right. I do. I. It's like if a tree falls in the forest, does it yeah. make a noise? Oh, Dave yeah. can do one it. hand clap. You got man fingers. What you can't see is Dave's pants are down, and we finally <laughs> see he was fapping. Yeah, that's that was, it's that's it's one a, hand fapping. Yeah, Dave, Dave oh, one hand fapping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So one other thing, again, just telling you the lifestyle of Hunter S. Thompson, he invented shotgun golf. Oh, Did I you read about that. that? It's not that. very creative. So he gets uh, it's 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 more. Uh, well, go ahead and explain. Well, it's ha- he and like Bill Murray called him at three in the morning with an idea that they fleshed out, and then the next day went out and did. Yeah, and you basically it's basically skeet shooting. Yes. 
with That's, a golf ball. So like the, the instead the, of, instead the, of instead of skeet using you're hitting a golf ball into the air and shooting it with a shotgun. But what the trick is though, it's still a challenge because the goal of the golfer is to land the ball on the green. The goal of the shooter is to destroy the golf ball. So if you can so hit you the can golf ball, lose. you get yeah. a score. <clears throat> and if you miss and you, the guy hits the green. Is it only on chip shots? Like, I don't understand. If you're fucking It's like a pitch and putt. No, yeah. it's not. A, it's, oh, okay. it, it's like a, using like a seven iron or something. So it's just. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a pitch and putt. So it's probably like maybe 125, 150 yards. And apparently yeah. it's still played, but they he and Bill Murray came up with that it. That sounds so. fun. We should go to the driving range. Yeah. yeah. I'll bring my shotgun. <clears throat> yeah. The, the real <laughs> challenge is you win if you make it through the game without getting arrested. Yeah. yeah. Without the cops showing up. That's well, the meta challenge. They're on his property. You can do whatever you want. Oh, that's uh, true. true. So we can yeah. play it when I get my property. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So his suicide in 2005, he had been um, depressed for a while. Um and well, he there's a there's a quote by him that said too that the only thing that keeps him sane or whatever it is is knowing that he can take his life at any at time. any time. Yeah, like because he, he's he trapped said it for years. His, he said his, um, he said after thirty he was on borrowed time, and at age I think what, at fifty at, at fifty it was yeah. more than he needed, it's and seventeen 67, was yeah sixty seven yeah. was seventeen more years right. than he should have gotten, which is kind of crazy living off yeah. carrot cake and fucking yeah, exactly. opiates and whatever he was. So doing. in in January of two thousand five, uh, he was in New Orleans with his. Is a book editor Douglas Brinkley, and he would he said that he was just stay in the bar. Brinkley said that Hunter S. Thompson would just stay in the bar all day drinking, muttering to himself, and he would say things like, "My time has come to die, Dougie," and he just kept saying like <laughs> shit like this to his editor like the whole trip. This kid's getting old. He kept right, saying, yeah. "Yeah." So he ends up going back home a month later. Um, he gets in a huge fight with his uh, with his wife Anita. See. See? Um, he sh- shoots at her with a pellet gun. See, <laughs> she leaves the house, and the next she was day young. that shit was kind of creepy. Yeah. She was super young. The next day they make up, and he actually she, she calls him on the phone from a health spa where she's been staying, and um, she calls him, and it's just fucking. It's just weird. It's Is that like what a people weird, with money do? They go stay at a health spa. I think so. I mean, that's so crazy. the next day she calls him and they make up and he says, Hey, come home, help me write this article. I have to write for ESPN. Uh, and she says, okay. And he sets the phone down on the counter bland. and she, no, she hangs up because she's, she heard what she assumed was him starting to type on his typewriter. Right. It was him loading. It was him cocking his oh, 45. Fuck. So she hears the click, click, click and hangs up. And he immediately, like, he just says, come home, I'm writing this article, sets the phone down, click, 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 bang, shoots himself in the head. She hung up before the bang, so she didn't hear it. His son and his daughter, Jennifer, are in the next room, um, and they think something fell over in his office. He dropped a book. So to the point of, like, it wasn't even loud enough to cause alarm. They didn't go check on there. Like a slap, yeah. So a half hour later, they walk in and they find him dead. And apparently Juan immediately grabs a shotgun and goes into the front yard and fires it in the air three times in honor of his father. Yeah. That shit made me kind of sad for some reason. I don't know why. Like I, like I got kind of like choked up when I read that part. I was like, that's weird. Why is that, that like is emotional? Weird. No, that's me? yeah. No, it was, it was fucking very yeah, weird. Yeah. His son goes out and shoots it. Like it's because he, he, he had knew an extraordinary he life. I don't know. I guess I was putting my in position. Like if I killed myself with my son in the next room right. and he comes and finds me like, right. damn, so I go off somewhere where no one sees yeah. me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do so that. So in the typewriter, he had a letter that had the date and the word counselor. 
Which, was there any? I couldn't find anything that what that could mean possibly. No, I have no yeah. idea. There's no um, explanation. And he ended up writing a suicide note, which was called "Football Season Is Over," which yeah. of course it's was published cool. by yeah. Rolling Stone, <clears throat> and it says. No more games, no more bombs, no more walking, no more fun, no more swimming. 67, that is 17 years past 50, 17 years more than I needed or wanted. Boring. I'm always bitchy. No fun for anybody. 67, you're getting greedy. Act your old age. Relax. This won't hurt. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and actually... She could have heard the typewriter going because he could have been writing that. Not he could have been typing. Yeah, he yeah. could have been. He could have been. But the time. So. I mean, he could have written the date and then done that and then pulled yeah. the trigger right away. Yeah. Um, but so they have the funeral, and we mentioned the funeral a little bit earlier. But so the funeral, a, a, you know, huge star-studded thing. Jack Nicholson, Senator John Kerry, a couple of senators yeah. are there. Johnny Depp, Ed Bradley, the most famous Gary um, Busey. Yes, Charlie Rose, the journalist, uh, John Cusack, Bill Murray, Benicio Del Toro, Sean Penn, Josh Hartnett, odd, um, Lyle Lovett, John Oates, like this huge, Big like names. star-studded there. Yeah. Two, 208 the people. The Brady Bunch. Yeah, that's right. They were there. 208 people showed up. They played uh, Mr. Tambourine Man by Bob Dylan, <laughs> um, and they put his ashes on a 153-foot tower, which had the shape of the double-thumbed peyote fist mm-hmm. from his from his fucking whatever it was a red called. fist with like his a chrome freak tower. nasty yeah. campaign. Um, freak nasty. And uh, fired his ashes out of the cannon, and that was his. And apparently Johnny Depp paid for the whole thing. Yeah. Three million Johnny, he, was, yeah. he was planning that from when he first bought that property. Right. Like in the 70s. He yeah. was, he's been planning. He's pretty much, he was planning his death his entire life. That's right. what they said. <laughs> right. Yeah. Johnny Depp said, um, all I'm, all I'm doing is trying to make my friend's wish, last wish come true. Right. Yeah. After doing it. And he spent yeah. three, $3 million, million dollars on that the cannon. That ain't nothing for pirate. That ain't nothing for Johnny Depp money. His friend, uh, Ralph Stedman said, mm-hmm. if you wonder if he's gone to heaven or hell, yeah. rest assured, he will check them both out. Um, find out which one Richard Nixon went to and go there. Um, and he, he said, uh, but there has to be football and peacocks. That's funny. <laughs> That's the criteria. But yeah. you see the quote about Nixon too, because he we mentioned he hated him, but he said Nixon was a professional politician, and I despise everything he stood for. But if he were running uh, for president this year against the evil Bush Cheney gang, I would have happily voted for him. <laughs> wow, damn! <laughs> he, this guy was a hippie all yeah. the way. Yeah, he loved it. So Hunter S. Thompson, crazy. Like I didn't know shit about him. Like I said, I didn't know he was fucking dead. I certainly didn't know he killed himself. Um, I knew he was a, a druggie. I knew he did fear and loathing. I didn't actually know he was that big of a journalist. I thought, I thought he wrote books like Fear and Loathing, and yeah. that was it. I didn't know he was like permanently actually on retainer from Rolling Stone yeah. and doing all this shit. Like I, didn't he was know actually that. a journalist. Just the books came out of it. Right. Like that's. I thought I thought he was just like a fiction writer who like did a pseudo autobiographical shit about his crazy life i didn't know it was also a, a journalistic thing so i know a lot of people have asked us to do hunter s thompson and he's very interesting uh, character 
Um, yeah, it was super cool. Like I, I was asking Dave uh, before we started recording, like because you know I can't make it past page sixty. I was like, man, I want to read one of his books, but I fucking know I suck. I was like, I wonder if I get an audio book, but I always feel like it's a cop out. I'm like, I didn't read the book. I, heard, I listened to the book. Yeah, but some it's, people it's that's, that's a better way. Different but I'm, learning modality. I'm thinking yeah. I'm trying. I'm going to get the book and get the audio book and try to listen while I read yeah. and see if it fucking pushes. me. No, I've first. always been interested in reading his stuff, but like I said, after I watched Fear and Loathing, I don't know if I could follow. Walked it. out. Like, I was like, yeah. I don't think I can. <laughs> I don't think I can do it. I had one more yeah, quote nuts. that he said. It was my favorite out of all the stuff we read. And it was, I hate to advocate drugs, alcohol, violence, or insanity to anyone, but they've always worked for me. Which is kind of cool. Pretty awesome. That's the yeah. truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had another one, too, that said, "If you uh, you always appear crazy at first because later you can appear normal. Oh, and I like that. Yeah. So you can always come down, yeah. Yeah, but you can't appear normal at first and then become crazy. Right. Like it's, well, if you right. start as a fucking crazy, you come down from there. It's like, well, at least he's not fucking Yeah, at least it's not like yeah. he used not to anymore. be. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a lot better than he used to be. Yeah, yeah. he only drinks yeah. a bottle of vodka a day now. Yeah. So. He used to be a pound of Coke. Yeah. Um, all right, is it sponsor time? Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, we need to thank uh, El Yucateco Hot Sauce. Um, that's our primary sponsor. And if you haven't tried it, you should. Um, it's available at most major grocery stores. People complain about not finding it, but they're lazy bitches. Um, it's at every fucking <laughs> grocery store it's at every little mexican restaurant it's i'm surprised if you haven't seen it it's already. not at bullshit ass albertson's no that's no. a white ass store are you though. sure pa- not the one i shop at yeah it is a you're on the east side too you think they're on the east side yeah wow Hmm, that is weird. It well, is weird. That's because Mexicans go to Vallarta. They don't go yeah. to Albertsons. Yeah, that's they a white people Albertsons. store. Yeah, that's, that's expensive. Yeah, they sell fruit and shit there. That's just like <laughs> I went to the Target on the east side, and it was out. The the white people outnumbered the Mexicans like five to one. Albertsons is a cornucopia of like fucking heavenly fucking produce. Mm-hmm. When you walk in there, like angels oh, sing, harps play. No, Albertsons like that too. It's fucking sucks. polished apples and shit. <laughs> that's Vons. Vons is like that. Vons is expensive. Yeah. yeah. Well, so is Albertsons. People are like, what the fuck are those? Yeah, Albertsons. Yeah. Fucking Kroger's or whatever you guys got, yeah, with your buggies. It's all the same fucking company. And anyway. the Kroger's is like food for less, though. I think isn't, isn't it? it, or Food Max, or some shit, or no. Foods Co. Food no. Co. Kroger's more like an Albertsons. I thought it was a Kroger. Well, if you can't find it at your random fucking crazy <laughs> Dave's face, store, uh, he's like Kroger's more like Albertsons. I was like, I thought it was a Kroger. He's all, mm? what the fuck did you say to me? <laughs> well, you can get it online. You can buy it from their website. They do sell it in some odd quantities. Some people don't because you have to buy like three bottles at a time or something. Yeah, I it's think, a or, fucking like two dollars a bottle. Jesus Christ, it's not too much. People are weird fuck about up. it though. Um, Multi pack. But you can get it. Uh, you can get it almost by the fucking gallon on uh, Amazon, and you can get it at mexgrocery.co.uk. Um, also, check out printdirtcheap.com if you need stickers or printed goods, banners, flyers, business cards. Um, they make all kinds of craziness. Uh, probably things that I didn't even know existed. I think you covered it with printed goods. Yeah, the, uh, printed stuff, printed things. things that are printed. Yeah, and you can get a yes. discount by using uh, code SofaKing if you go there. Use the coupon code code SofaKing. Um, also, thank you to Daily Own Graphics. They do our uh, silk. Screen uh, they do our t-shirts and beer koozies. Um, if you guys ha- need products like that or you, so you covered work that for a company. What do you mean? No, you can do heat press <laughs> fucking koozies and shirts. Speaking of heat press koozies and shirts, you can get those from Digital Creations. Um, they're at digital.creations on Facebook and Instagram, and they do um, one-off stuff. So if you need smaller quantities, they will do things like that. You can get blankets and pillows and bordered, all kinds of crazy shit. So check them out. Um, also, thank you to Dan Camarillo Jiu-Jitsu. I think he does still have those Boondock Saints keys, actually, because I saw another video about it. 
because they're like pre-order so i don't know how uh, much they are but mm. they look pretty cool um and uh, you can log on to armhunter.com for details on that he's also on facebook i think it's just camario jujitsu yeah, um, yeah you can find him instagram facebook or armhunter.com for instructional dvds and apparel and that's all i got for that yep uh, that's it that's it a lot of it drugs and stuff so if you have any questions about hunter s thompson don't answer or don't ask us because we won't have the answer because we'll forget after this episode yes yeah so. follow us on social media at sofa king podcast across the board yep and uh that's, that's it. it don't be a retard hey 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 so GHB, ain't no need for resistance. Ecstasy, yeah, ecstasy. I love you very much. GHB, I love you very much. Frozen B, I love you very much. This is the Tech 9 experience. experience. ACID, I love you very much. TCP, I love you very much. Caribou Ain't even late, great, I feel good Let's go to the X house That's where Heather and Marty got everybody X'd out Walk in the crib, my homegirls say text with me Cause she know all the bitches wanna get next to me I'm a star and ladies wanna have sex with me But the bitches still get jealous off of ecstasy It's like 30 people in the house Rave bitches massaging glow sticks in the mouth I take another cappuccino with my Mountain Dew I'm higher than the top floor at the fountain 
something blue Somebody said they got the chronic, light it up, man Let's smoke it all till we fall, then get up again I wanna fuck, but I'm numb, cause I'm fizzled up Skip to the loo, I try to piss, dick is shriveled up My nigga cut, got the blunt, nigga pass it I didn't even know you was here, so he passed it With a couple hits of acid Like I refuse to stay alive it's pills and more thrills. I'm lucky if I survive. I'm high. Ecstasy. I love you very much. GHB. I love you very much. Rooms and weed. I love you very much. This is the Tech Nine Experience. Experience. ACID. I love you very much. GCP. I love you very much. Caribou Lee. I love you very much This is the Tech 9 experience Dipped up the X house, is right around 2 Off to Westport to kick it with the Hurricane crew Saw my nigga C&G After party at the room, my homegirl Aisha Slip me a couple grams of shrooms Damn, it don't stop Embassy Suites, 3 o'clock With my nigga C&G They got hella G and E I get two more hits of that X Shit. I don't wanna come down off that ecstasy trip Bitches in the room looking so fresh, so clean A couple hella high pennies and brought no jeans My nigga said that he got codeine Mixed it with cherry rover, tussin' in juice I took a sip of his lean In the bathroom to bust a shit I couldn't do it so my bitch came to suck the dick It was hard and soft but hard enough to penetrate the slit By 20 Minutes, damn near fainted when it was time to spit. Five o'clock in the morning, and we still zone. Seven o'clock in the morning, pill is still on. This life I live, I might not die if let alone. Love my experience, this is my fucked up life. Don't try this at home. Ecstasy. I love you very much. GHB. I love you very much. Rooms and Today. Today. Whatever, whatever.